Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Thank you, Father. Okay, let's get into the Word. I want to examine this morning biblical motives for giving. Now, the subject of money is a very touchy issue in the body of Christ and anywhere. In fact, one of the things that God compared to himself in scriptures was not even Satan, but Mammon. He says you cannot serve God and Mammon. There was nowhere God compared himself with Satan. There was nowhere he compared himself with anything else except money. Now, we have two extremes in the body of Christ. We have the extremes of those who everything is about money. Everything is about money. And then we also have the extreme of those who don't talk about money at all. I might be guilty of falling into that. Uh, because you don't want people to think it's about money. You don't want people to, um, you know, you just so we stay off, you know, and just teach. But um, Reverend Kenneth Hagin, one of the fathers of the Christian faith, at a point in time, the Lord had to rebuke him and send him back to a church he has left. And the Lord told him that you were not faithful in teaching the whole counsel of God. What that means is that in a bid to avoid talking about, uh, in, a, in a bid to avoid people misunderstanding you, you did not teach them the biblical basis of finances, what the Bible says about it. And so, in reading that, I began to feel that adjustment. I was talking to Pastor Banky, my mentor, over this, and we were talking about it that, listen, we all complain that these people are this, this, and this, but we haven't even come out to say this is what it should be. We should give people the benefit of being able to look at the scripture and see what is going on and say, hey, from scripture, this is what is right. Now, for your information, I'm not going to get into the tight debate, all right? I, I'm not going to get into that. But I just want to show you from scriptures what I see that the Lord teaches us regarding finances. Okay? Now, uh, now I'm not teaching this also because of what's going on on social media. I don't do that. All right? So, don't think, ah, yes, now my pastor has a response. I don't have a response to anybody or anything. I just want to teach what the scripture says about that. So, we'll deal with this in three services. But we're looking at... I, I want you to note the word biblical motivation for giving. It's very important the way the topic is. Biblical, meaning we're going to look at the scripture. Motivation, meaning we're going to look essentially in this service on the motives for giving. Okay. Now, the first thing I want, to want you to establish is that the Bible, even in the Old Testament, required that the children of Israel would give. There were a lot of givings. Please, if you were not here when I taught on New Testament giving, a, a five-part series, get on our website, pastormax.ng, and download it and listen to it. I've thought about tithing and some things there. But when you look at the giving that was required in the Old Testament, now listen very carefully to this. The tithe was, when, when the tithes were given, it amounted to 23%, not 10 all right? So there was a tithe given to the Levites. I've talked about this before. I don't want to 
take time on that. There was a tithe given to the Levite. There were three kinds of tithe in the Old Testament. Go study it. There were tithes given to the Levite, which was to take care of the priest. There was tithe given for the widows and the orphans to be taken care of. And there was a tithe that God said they could spend among themselves in celebration. Now, when you added all this together, you, you, had, you came, came up to like 23%. And then there were other offerings, you know, first fruits and all that. And just to be outright, I've also taught on this. First fruit is not a New Testament offering. Every time the word first fruit was used in the New Testament, it referred to either Jesus, people who got born again, or the Holy Spirit. There was nowhere in the New Testament. What did I say is the New Testament? The New Testament is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, where first fruit was given as finances. Now, is there anything wrong if I decide to give my first fruit offering to the Lord? Absolutely nothing wrong. But is it a commandment from God? No. Are we clear on that? Are we clear on that? If I choose to do that, it's fantastic. Do I have to do it? There's nothing in the Christian faith that you have to do. Everything comes as a response of love. Now, what God, now one of the things that we miss when we talk about money sometimes, when we say, oh, this is Old Testament, this is Old Testament, this is Old Testament, one of the reasons we'll ask is that why did God give them those requirements? It was because God wanted to teach them a nature. There is a principle behind all of these things. For instance, what's the principle of the first fruit? It's just that you will honor God first when your income comes. I don't know if you, if you get that. That is the underlying principle. So, if you miss the underlying principle that God is trying to teach, and you just carry the acts religiously, you are even not rewarded, because you don't even understand why God is teaching you that. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So, whatever God is teaching, the 10%, the, the tithes, the giving, what is God, what is, what is it all about? To be honest, what is this whole thing about giving a portion of your income to God all about? Is that what is going to keep the kingdom moving? Is that what is going to advance the gospel? Is that what is going to stop the purpose of God? Absolutely not. What the Lord is teaching you is stewardship. And there's no way stewardship can be tested if it's not a money test. I'm going to explain that from scriptures. So whatever God was teaching them, they were in Egypt. God was bringing them and teaching them that in this economy, this is how we are to function. Now, um, number two. Now, I said it's important to understand the principles that lie behind this, the tithes and the offerings, so we can apply them in our lives. Number two thing I want you to get, it is also not true that you have to give when and how the Lord moves your heart. Because this is, this is somewhere that a lot of people who teach grace are also coming into and saying, listen, we have to be led by the Spirit of God. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. But when it comes to giving, we don't have to wait for the leading of the Spirit of God. It's like saying, I have to be led to pray. It's like saying, I have to be led to, to read my Bible. You don't have to be led to read your Bible. It is a spiritual discipline that you have to consistently implement in your life. And that's one of the things that God was trying to teach them in the Old Testament. To say, listen, have a system of giving. Have a system. So it's not based on your emotions. It's not based on, I'm led. And sometimes when you say you are led, 
it is when you feel, you know, you just feel. No, sometimes the Lord can lead you to give. I don't doubt that. All right? But you don't have to wait for the leading of the Lord to give. Giving is a biblical principle that you should just work with. Are we together? I said, are we together? Okay. I know the house is going to be quiet. Money is a big issue. Say, this man has been teaching very well. I want to see where he will land. No, don't, don't say, I'm going to land in a good place. Just follow me, okay? It's a very touchy issue. <laughs> so, you can't say that you're waiting for the Lord to move your heart. There are already instructions on giving that you should apply yourself to, just as you apply yourself to prayer, just as you apply yourself to the study of the word. Thirdly, it is not true that you can be too poor to give. Don't set up yourself and say, well, these are the rich people, we are the poor people. Don't set up yourself like that. You cannot be too poor to give. Let's get into the scriptures and begin to build from there. Go with me to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. And uh, I'm going to read uh, the story of that widow who threw in her mind. Luke 21. Just go with me to the scriptures. I want to build on this and this is going to give you clarity and freedom to do what God has called you to do Luke 21 verse 2 to 4 or let's read from verse 1 to 4 and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury here was Jesus looking at the offering why was Jesus looking at the offering and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites just two mites so he said truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. How can Jesus say this? He says the rich were putting in their offerings. They're putting in everything. And here was these two mites from the widow dropped in the offering. And Jesus told the disciples, hey, you see that woman there? She's giving more than everybody. And I want to pause here to say, listen to me. It's only God that can truly judge your giving. Nobody can. You know, if somebody walks up to me right now and says, Hey, pastor, we want to build a mission house. This is two million. <laughs> Man, I'm going to rejoice. And you know, somebody walks up to me and says, We want to build a mission house. This is 500 now. <laughs> I'm going to say it is well with you. You understand that? But you know, from the perspective of God, he can say, Hey, this woman well, is giving so much more. That means we can't even tell you're giving life. Only God can adequately, adequately judge that. That's why we can't say, this person is a giver, this person is not a giver. We can't tell. If we judge by the amount, we might be wrong. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Okay. For all these, out of the abundance, have put in offerings for God. Please follow me carefully. Are you there? What are you, which translation are you using? Yeah, have put in offerings for God. So whatever you give in the offering basket is not to the church, it's for God. Jesus identified it. Because sometimes, because of the financial abuse, we can harden our heart to giving. I've seen people now say, you know what, I'm not into this giving business in church. I want to help the poor, I want to help the orphans, I want to help the widows. You cannot determine your terms of serving God. You're not the one to choose. He has given you instructions. Is either you're complying with them or not. And if this is your first time of worshiping with us, you know, don't turn back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just follow the scriptures. All right? Say, ah, 
They told me that this is a very good church. Today is money. They are all the same. No, we're not all the same. We're not all the same. Please. This is the struggle I have teaching about money. We're not all the same, but just listen to me. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. But the thing about this woman is when she gave that offering, she just gave out of her love for God. She gave out, she gave out of her livelihood. That means somebody can give two million and has hundred million left. And somebody can give 500 and has 100 left. If you weigh that in the spirit, the man who gave 500 has got more faith. So there's no excuse for not giving. Don't say, ah, when I am. No, 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 not when you are. Giving starts from whatever position you are in right now. I went to a meeting. I can't forget, Pastor, is it? I don't know whether his first name is Simeon now. Simeon is um, First Love Assembly. Pastor Folabi, the, the head of Christ Embassy Campus Ministries, way back when we were in campus. I remember he came to, to, to my school then, Delta State University, and taught on the spirit of excellence. I had, I had a native on, you know, you know, you have all these natives you bring out once in a year for special occasions. So that was the kind of native. I can't forget. Red native. You cannot miss me. The man with the red native. So I took out that my Then something like guinea brocade used to read. Remember something called guinea brocade? Stashed, ironed, and wore shoes. Sat. The man taught and taught and taught. I had no offering. I was a student. When they were receiving the offering, I was like, God, what can I? So I gave my shoes. I just went to the altar, dropped my shoes. Ah, and the message was so, I really didn't give because I had to. I gave because I was so full spiritually. I needed to respond. So I gave. And the message was so intoxicating. I was talking on my way home. You know, now see a man fully dressed with guinea brocade and no shoes and talking. <laughs> with Bible in his hands. Like, ah, they sent him to study engineering. Look at where he has ended up. You know, but I just wanted to respond. You are never too poor to give. You can give from wherever you are. Let's move on. When you give, you have to do it with the right motive. Giving starts from the fact. I'm going to talk about this on Wednesday. Giving must start from the fact that you understand that God owns everything. Listen, what you have given and what is left and you and your life and your job belongs to God. Are you following what I'm saying? So it's not about saying, I've given this to God. This is mine. That's not what God is requiring of you. God is requiring of you absolute stewardship. You must understand that, and that's what David said in First Chronicles. He says, what have we that we will give to you? Everything we give to you has come from you. Are you following what I'm saying? So even if you give God this amount, you're like, God, listen, it's like you gave your child a packet of biscuits. And you ask for one. How many of you have had that response? That funny response. And what does your child say? What's the first response your child says? No. How many of you know that that biscuit is going to finish? How many of you know? That packet of biscuit is going to finish. And who is going to give more? You. <laughs> what do you teach your children in the early days? Learn to share. Learn to give. Why are you telling them to learn to give? Is it for your own good? 
Come on now, church, let's talk. Why are you all quiet? Is it for your own good? It's for whose good? For their good. Why do you think God is giving you all these instructions to give? Is it because of God? It's for your own good. Haven't you realized that even though you have not given as much as you have given, God's kingdom is still progressing? Whatever God wants to do, he will do in spite of you. So what is God doing? God is giving you an opportunity to learn a nature, which is his nature, which is a giving nature. That's what God wants to do with all this. Are you following this now? So when you give, you have to do it with the right motives. Don't give with the wrong motives. Some people give because they are greedy. It's like an investment. It's like an investment. I'm going to give this so I can get that. That already corrupts your motives. But this is the balance. Is there a reward for giving? Absolutely yes. But are we giving because of the rewards? No. We're giving in obedience to God and love for the gospel. Your motives must be right. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 8 because this is what we find in, in modern times. And I must say this. I must say this. Some ministers of the gospel haven't done so much well in the matter of finances. Either maybe... Um, in the way it's used, the way it's handled, or the way it's taught. You know. Acts chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 14. Please follow me here. Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, they heard that Samaria had received the word of, of God. They sent Peter and John to them. Now in verse 13, you will find out that Simon himself had also believed. In verse 13, Simon the sorcerer. Okay. Verse 15. Who when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet... He had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money and said, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Ghost. Wow. But... Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Because, listen this, listen, look at this. Because you taught motives. Do, do you get? Hey, come on. You taught. Where does thoughts take place? In the heart, in the mind. How many of you know that I can't know what you're thinking right now? <laughs> I can't know. Some of you are saying, let him teach on salvation. Salvation. No. I can know your thoughts. But Peter, by the spirit, could see his thoughts. So when Simon gave the money, if Peter could not see his thoughts, Simon would have received the money and say, wow, you are blessed. <laughs> and you know, people do that. I want to tap into your grace. And they give money. All the grace that God has bestowed on my life for 1,000. I was thinking, <laughs> i close the tap. Increase it. Let's see how much. Is it one cup you want to buy or how many cup of grace? But if we participate with people financially in ministry, can we become partakers of grace? Absolutely. But our motivation is to help them fulfill God's assignment for their life. Not because we want their grace. Because every one of us has been given a measure of grace. 
I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So he gave. And said, you thought, look at this. This is the mistake. The gifts. Everybody say gifts. The gift of God could be purchased with money. This is where we got it wrong as a church. So we tell people, you can give and name your seed healing. No! Healing is a gift of God. It cannot be purchased with money. Say, so, oh, I'm traveling. I want to sow a seed. So as I travel, I'll be safe. No! Protection is a gift of God. Prosperity is a gift of God. He says that motivation is wrong. You cannot give to get a gift. A gift can only be received. If he had not gone to Peter with money, it would have been fantastic. And you see that you watch that a lot. When you watch some Christian television, it's like a supermarket. Everybody has something to sell. Oh, you send this. We're going to pray the Psalm 91 prayer over your life. If you send this, plant a seed for your child. Plant a seed for your child. Plant $100 for your child. Your child is worth $100? When there are some dolls that are $150. What, what nonsense is that? And there's a crazy teaching going on right now about redeeming the firstborn. It's an insult on the sacrifice of Jesus. It's very insultive to tell God's people that they should come and redeem their children. When the scripture says, Peter says clearly that you were not redeemed by corruptible things. He mentioned it. He says, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. He said it clearly because he knew that we'll be in 2018 and some thieves will mount the pulpit. He says, you were not redeemed with corruptible things. How can the value of your firstborn be naira? Not even dollars. Naira. It's a shame on the Christian faith. And we wonder why people don't want to get born again. Because they see our childishness and nakedness outside. How can Christ die to redeem you and you now redeem your son with, with, with Naira? Now I get angry when I teach this, so I need to compose myself to get to the end of my message. He says, you thought that you could buy the gift of God. He says, your money perish with you. We need to also have preachers who can reject people's offerings. When they bring offerings, say, no, don't worry, keep it. Yes, just keep it. That's what Elijah told Naaman. He said, don't worry, come and get healing free. He said, take your money back. Gehazi. Looks like a Nigerian name. <laughs> Gehazi. <laughs> say, Bonnie man. Gehazi Brown. I just say. Gehazi said, ah, no, 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 no. This man does not understand the techniques of ministry. They will not honor the anointing. Excuse me, sir. Some people just visited my master now. Now, 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 now. And uh, just something to give them. It's not that. Uh, just something. Ah, the man gave. He went to hide it. Elijah said, did my spirit not go with you? And he asked him one question. Is it time to receive offerings? That means there's a time to receive and there's a time not to receive. He says, since you want offerings, take the leprosy he left. So, 
he was following a man of God. But he, re- he reduced the anointing and went for money. So he got leprosy. He never fulfilled ministry. Many ministers will never walk in the fullness of the plans of God for their lives because of money. When Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin, he said the same thing to him. It's like everything about us is money. Everything. If we don't raise funds in, an, in a program, the program is not successful. In fact, you hear people talk about the success of a program by how much came. Not how many souls were saved. They praise the Lord after the last program we got one million. Isn't, isn't God good? Say it is good. It is good. I didn't say he. I said it is good. The God of money is good. But what, this is on the part of the preachers. And you're laughing right now. <laughs> but what that has done to you, it has also hardened your heart not to be generous. So you see the effect of it. The effect of it is that we misrepresent God and you take that misrepresentation and you also live a very stingy life. So the question I'll ask you is, if every Christian was giving like you, would the gospel prosper? Would we be able to build this church? Would we be able to travel the nations? Most of the nations I travel to, most of the nations I travel to, we pay our own fares. Sometimes we buy our own food. I remember the last time I went to Burundi. <laughs> we had to pay our own accommodation. And I told them to bring food. And they brought, man, the guys were farmers. <laughs> In the morning, they came with a bunch of banana. Bunch. <laughs> and put it there. So I asked as if he was sacrificed to the idols. So I asked, I went to Pastor Zuka. I said, what is this? They said, I ah, know just for money breakfast. One full bunch for money breakfast. How do you do that? <laughs> in, the, in the afternoon, they brought a basin of pear. Ah, ah. I said, no, I'm not a vegetarian. <laughs> so we went, we went to look. No, but I mean, that was all they had. What, will God accept that? Absolutely, yes. He says, when you go, take what is presented before you. And I didn't go there to teach them seven signs to prosperity. Because when you see those kind of situations, your first response is, we must rescue these people from poverty. But you know, some of the most finest Christians you will ever meet are Christians in those regions who are giving their all to the Father. And motives is very important. Matthew chapter 10. Go there now. Matthew chapter 10. We can't have governors who have rigged election come and give to church building. It must stop. Everybody knows these elections were rigged. You now give the governor an opportunity for thanksgiving. Who are you deceiving? God can build his church without political money. Are you following what I'm saying? When such people come to the house of God, they should sit down and learn. When anybody walks into this place, your position doesn't matter. We become brothers and sisters in Christ, learning from the heart of the Father. Are you following what I'm saying? Your money cannot make you a deacon. One of the qualifications of deacon, they did not say those who have money. They say those who are full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit, not full of money. You can be full of money and full of the wisdom. You cannot be full of money and full of wisdom. 
the requirement for scriptural leadership is very clear and none of them is financial. Absolutely none. From Titus to Timothy to Book of Acts, none of them is financial. Because this thing is not about mammon. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. Matthew chapter 10. Here now. Let's read from verse 1 quickly. Uh, no. It's going to be too far. Let's go to verse, verse 7. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Look at these things. I want you to look at everything that was written there. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. What should you do? Freely give. Did, now listen to this. I'll pause here now because some people say, well, why are you selling your books? The Bible says freely. Have you received freely give? Did you see books there? Oh, come on now. Did you see books there? Did you see CDs there? Okay. The things that we have freely received, the book I wrote, was it God that wrote it for me? Don't tell me yes. Was it God that wrote it for me? Okay. The laptop I used to write it. <laughs> Is it God's laptop? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, now because I said everything you have belongs to God. So my laptop belongs to God, right? <laughs> you are wise. But buy my books. Heal the sick, <laughs> cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Have you observed that everything written here is something that money cannot do? If money cannot do it, money cannot get it. These things are free. You don't have to sow a seed for healing. You don't need to sow a seed to get a demon out of your child. You don't need to sow a seed because your child is becoming stubborn. What we'll do, we cast it out for free. And we don't tell people, after this has happened, go and seal, it, seal the testimony with an offering. It's insult. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. There's nowhere in scriptures where Jesus finished healing people and commanded them to seal the testimony. I've even heard people teach that when God does something for you and you don't share it, God can take it away from you. That's not the God we serve. There were times Jesus healed people and told them, don't tell anybody. Not every testimony is for sharing. How can God do this thing for you? And you will keep quiet. Come and tell the brethren. No. You can't say everything. You know, some testimonies will make other people feel that God is not good. Praise the Lord. I just came to church. You know, as I was just going, somebody gave me $6 million. <laughs> I don't know that even in church, there are some guys who are retired militants. <laughs> like, $6 million, $6 million. Guy will collect that money, will repent later. <laughs> Sometimes we share testimonies because we want to show that God is working in our churches. Which sometimes is absolutely unnecessary. What's the proof that God is in us? Is when we are learning his laws. Look at what they say. Say, let's go to the house of Jacob. He would teach us his laws. I don't have anything against testimonies. And I'll tell you something. The fact that we don't take testimonies here every Sunday, there are the, some of the most incredible testimonies you will ever find takes place in the midst of us. But you know why we keep quiet about those things? We want them to become a normal culture. Just normal. It's fine. That you built a house, normal. You did this, normal. You did this, normal. When I'll give you this mic, when you raise someone from the dead, then come tell us. When you cleanse a leper, then come tell us. When you heal the sick, 
oh, pastor, I was going somewhere. They told me, and come tell us. When you build a house, let's keep it to yourself. You bought a car, let's keep driving, we'll see it. You bought a new shed, you made some heavy millions contracts, it's fine. Just, let's give us something that, so, give us something that money can't buy. Just give us something. We want to hear something that money cannot influence. There's an alcoholic in your compound. You minister to them and lay hands on them. And they stop drinking. A wife bitter. You preach the gospel to them. They got born again. A militant. You preach the gospel to them. They, yeah, yeah. Give us something that federal government cannot do. Tell us something. Praise the Lord. I just got my visa to Dubai. I got it. Even as I just went, Papa just said, go and get your visa. I just went. They just gave me visa after four years. Just tell me something that money can't do. If I put enough money in the hands of the consular, they'll give me the visa. Can you tell me something? Yes, let's move on. Ah, pastor, are you not grateful for these little, little things? Yes, that's why exactly. Let's move on to the higher things. Christianity is over 3,000 years old. We still celebrate visa. I can't tell you how many believers, I don't use the word believers, how many supposed believers are outside of this country who are illegitimate citizens. They don't have papers. And the testimony of their illegitimacy was shared from the altar. They were released by the church to become irresponsible outside. They are running away from police and sending you pictures and sending you cars that are left hand that you have to change to right hand. Somebody abroad will remember you and you are happy. How did we get this low? When a woman like Maria Woodward Etta would set up a meeting and call it Stretcher Days, everybody who was on Stretcher in that meeting, with one word from her mouth, everybody would get up. Kedrukuma would conduct miracle crusades. Maybe out of 500 people, you see 30 witches. She would call them trophies of God's glory. And we celebrate Volkswagen, Camry, SUV. You know, sometimes God just looks at us and like, are these my children? Do you understand? Like, how <laughs> the other one somewhere. Okay, let's move. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast the demons, freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor copper in your money belt, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff. For a worker is worthy of his food. I'm going to get here. Workers, workers. Now, whatever city or town you enter in, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. That means there are people who are going to open their homes up to strangers. Open their homes up to ministers of the gospel. So, what are the motivations for us to give? I want to be quick on this. Number one, thankfulness to God. The first motivation to give is to just say, God, I'm grateful. Are you understand? Now, let me explain something to you. Sometimes, I, I really need to say this, but please understand my heart. Sometimes people wonder why we don't do certain things like other churches do. For instance, some churches do the last Sunday of every month is Thanksgiving. The, the, the first Sunday of every year is Thanksgiving. You see, why those things are good, it can become very ceremonial. I, I, do you understand what I'm saying? These things ought to be cultural. They are not church programs. It's a life. I don't know if you, if you get what I'm saying. It is, this should just be your natural life. Can I tell you something? For instance, you just had a major project approved, or you just did a major thing. Or sometimes, even nothing happens. They just got, you just got paid. You saw how much you earned. You remember your life 10 years, 15 years ago, and say, God. So, let me be this. You understand? 
Hi, God. So I can. Lord, I'm grateful. You come to church the next day with a lump sum just to say thank you, God. You don't have to wait till December. Sometimes you can just decide, as a family this year, we want to be grateful to God. Uh, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Now, the reason, listen to me carefully, listen carefully to me. The reason those things had to be instituted as feasts in Israel was because it was an agrarian society. It was an agricultural society. So, they could not give until, you know, you cannot say, well, I'm, I'm thankful to God for keeping me. The maize I have planted is it, not ripe, but I just want to give thanksgiving to God. You now go and uproot the maize and say, hi, priest. <laughs> I'm just grateful. You know, you live there with leprosy. It's not these days where there was grace. So, what, what happened was that the feasts were always put at the end of the harvest. That is why, I, don't, I think Anglican Church, Anglican Church calls it harvest. Right? Yeah, I think. Anglican church, others call it harvest. The reason they call it harvest was because that was the way the feast was ordained. So, when it was um, the time for uh, what's that? Harvest season, people harvested and from there they could give. But before harvest, they couldn't give anything. Unlike now that we have you know, monies coming in. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So that's the that's why you see that sometimes there were days to give. That's why, in fact, the first fruits in the old testament was the first thing they harvested and give. But now people teach that the first fruit is your first salary in the month. The question is, which month? People say January, but you know the Chinese have a different calendar. The Jews have a different calendar. Alright? So this, we use a Roman calendar. Now, all of these things is because if people are rightly taught, you don't need to tell them when to give or when not to give. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. And I'll say this outrightly clear. No minister has the right to tell you to give your salary for a month. It must be between you and God. We can say as a church, we have a project, we would encourage people, but I can't tell you how much to give towards that. We can tell you what we have, the, the need we have left. We're building the parsonage right now. We can say, oh, this is how much we need for the parsonage. As a congregation, let everybody try to give, but I can't tell you. And I cannot come to say all those who gave their salary for this month has a special blessing. That is discrimination. That is... <laughs> financial racism you don't have to do that don't make people feel if they don't give certain amount there is a higher blessing you have you heard that even in those meetings where's all of you who gave 1000 stand by my right hand we extend your life by 10 years those who have uh, 50 come here all of you the rest of you the masses <laughs> come on touch just touch touch and go they just say just touch touch my hand and go touch me in your mind you're like ah god which day will I stand at the right hand of this minister and have 10 years? And God will just be looking at you and say, ah, I wish I can send them preachers and teachers. Praise the name of the Lord. If you are in such a meeting, you find yourself there by mistake. Don't give anything. Even if you had the intention to give, don't give anything. If you can collect the one they have given and run away, <laughs> collect it and bring it here. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Some guys are saying, man of God, that's why I like you. No, no, don't do that. Okay, where am I now? <laughs> okay, motives. 
I talk too much stories. Thankfulness to God. Abel did it. Genesis chapter 4 verse 3 to 5. Nobody commanded him to give. He just brought an offering to the Lord. Um, Genesis chapter 8 verse 21. Noah also did the same thing. I don't have time to go into the sacrifice of Abel, but people say where God didn't accept it because it was animal, because it was this, because it was... No, no, no. If you read that scripture carefully... Let me just read it so I don't rush this. Uh, Where is that? Go with me to Genesis chapter 4. Let me just see how far I can go. Genesis chapter 4. The rest, I'll just mention them. But Are you learning something? I want to show you something about here because people say, oh, it was because it was blood. Uh, Cain didn't give blood. <sighs> Leave all those things. Genesis 4. Look at this. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. The first thing I want you to observe in that sentence is that first of all, God respected Abel. First, before his offering. So, the acceptance there, listen carefully, the acceptance there was not the offering, it was the person. Do you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't even because it was animal. It was the person. So that's why in the book of Malachi, the scripture talks about God sitting in us as purifiers, uh, refiner's fire to purify us so that we might offer up righteousness. What God looks at is who you are first before what you have in your hands. So when you hear things like give a seed that will provoke God is an insult on deity. What that means is that I can actually, it's like, give the, give the guy an offer he cannot refuse. You know how those mafia things? You should go and watch some of them. Stop watching uh, African Magic. You know, all those mafia things, they say, the guy doesn't want to sell. The guy doesn't want to sell. Say, give him an offer he cannot refuse. So you just go and say, we're going to give you 60 million. The guy say, selling I am. I have sold. You know, so people say, you know, when you are prayed, when you are praised, when nothing is working, Empty your account. Empty it. And then once you just empty it. You know, sometimes eh, I feel, this is me, I might be wrong. This is me and I might be wrong in this one. But I feel that sometimes when you do those things, God responds to those things out of his mercy for your sake. So that you will not lose faith. Not because it is right. You understand? You just do it and God say, ah, if I don't answer this guy, he might soon become a babalao. Just release it. The funny thing is that you will now come and boast of your ignorance. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. After I release the sacrificial seed, say, God, that's no option. If not, now I'm the one telling God, stop. Don't bless me again. Okay. Somebody now goes home and say, God, I'm tired of staying in this one room. My salary is 15000 I release it. God said, if I bless you, this ignorance will continue for generations. You, you will be hungry. <laughs> because you know what? I can do something because I love God. And I share the testimony genuinely. And because you are covetous, you want to copy me. I can come and just say, hey, I just felt we, we gave this. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So this thing has to be an individual walk with God. God can require for the rest of your life to give 50% of your income. It doesn't become a commandment binding on all of us. I don't know if you you get what I'm saying. All right. So the same thing with um, Genesis 8.21. Now, in Leviticus chapter 1, God told them to offer quite some sacrifices for for, at Thanksgiving. 
Hebrews 13, 15. I want to show, show you something here. This is important that we look at this. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. So maybe I'll just do two today and then we'll continue on Wednesday. Please make sure you are in the midweek services so that you don't miss this series. Uh, where did I say you should turn to? Hebrews 13. Okay. Hebrews 13, 16. I want to show you something here. Hebrews 13, 16. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Yeah, somebody will now say, yeah, pastor, you see exactly, thanksgiving is from our mouth. But look at the next thing. He says, but do not forget to do good. And share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So you know what he said? He says, give thanks with your mouth and also do what? Give thanks with your substance. He says, do not forget to share. In fact, the Amplified puts it this way. Do not forget or neglect to do kindness and good, to be generous and distribute, and contribute to the needy of the church as an embodiment and proof of fellowship for such sacrifices are well pleasing to God. So you know what? You can decide that this year, everything I prayed for, God did it for me. I just want to thank God. You can decide to say, well, I've got my promotion. I just want to thank God. Now, there are, there are vows. I would, I would Maybe if I have time, if, because next month we're teaching something else. But if I have time, I'll teach you about vows. But I do not recommend vows for a New Testament Christian. Because I've heard people teach that. If you want God to give you something, tell God what you will give God when that thing comes. Don't get into that. If you need anything from God, you know what you need to do? Kneel down, open your mouth, and ask God. Don't say, if you do this, I will do this. You are not mates. Stop all those trade by butter. It's too childish. The mouth you are using to tell God what you would do. You know that rich fool? He just came one day and said, Ah, my bouncer, I will do this, I will do this. God said, You fool, your soul will be required of you tonight. Let me see how you continue your plans. Don't let God call you a fool. Are you understand that? Stop all this uh, childish way of trading with God. I will give you this. You will give me this. I will give you this. You will give me this. God, if you can't do this, I will surprise you. You, surprise God. <laughs> Some of us need to just pray for forgiveness. I'm telling you. Because it can be very insultive. Ah, my father, if you can't do this, if you can't do this, you're saying if you can already shows you don't know him. You don't know his ability in your life. It's ignorance first of all to start with. Then you now start. And that's why all the things you say if you can't. You say he didn't do anything. Go and arrest him. He says, do you need anything? Ask. Do you understand? It's like your child coming to you, right? Mr. Lodge, your child comes to you and say, if you can pay my school fees, I will buy a shoe for you. You say, God, I ask you for a child, not a mad boy. <laughs> you, you, you see the way you are laughing? That's how God laughs at you. That's just God at the angel. Say, let's laugh at this lady for some time. You, that's how it is. You know, it's very childish. And I say, if you, if you can pay my school fees, I will buy belts for you. I will surprise you. His school fees and his life and his belt, everything is not compared to. Do you get what I'm saying? God is a good father. Ask him. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Ask him. Just be generous. 
give, be, have a liberal soul. The intention of all this is for us to have a liberal soul. That we are generous. Praise the name of the Lord. Gratitude toward those who feed us spiritually. We give to the Lord because we're thankful to him. But also, God teaches us that those who feed us spiritually, we should honor them and respect them and minister to them. In the Old Testament, God commanded the people of Israel to give their first tithe towards the needs of the Levites. Leviticus 27, 30 to 32. You can find that there. Numbers 18, verse 21. You can find that there. Numbers 18, 24. Just write them down. You don't need to read it because I want to wrap this up here. Leviticus 27, 30 to 32. Numbers 18, 21. Numbers 18, 24. Numbers 18, 26 to 28. God commanded the Levites to be taken care of. He ordained that the first fruit will go to the priest. Leviticus 2, 14. Numbers 18, 8 to 20. Now, those were the Old Testament. Now, the reason is because the tribe, let me explain this to you. All the tribe, the Levitical priests were not to do anything. They were to just serve in the temple. So the Lord commanded that the other people would contribute towards their care. Now, I want, to, I want to pause here, please, to just say this. Because there is also an ongoing discussion a lot about should pastors work. Now, there's nothing wrong with working. There's nothing wrong with working. But there are those that the Lord had separated and has asked them to give themselves to the full cause of the gospel. He did that to the apostles. My dad, for instance, was someone who really never liked the idea of full-time. And uh, he tried as much as he can to get a job. In fact, the last job he got, he was going to receive the um, appointment letter from Asaba. He had a very terrible accident. Very terrible. And the Lord asked him, so exactly what are you looking for? That's why he, he's, he, he just went into full-time. When I was coming into full-time myself, my dad didn't agree. The first child, no, you're not going to go this path. You go work for some time and then you can come into ministry. I remember I was sitting doing my interview with the school I wanted to work then. And the lady had um, Qatar just all over, runny nose. She was feverish or something. And she was interviewing me. And I heard in my spirit that I've placed in you the ability to lay hands on the sick and see this same lady recover. And this is the same person you want to come under to work. Why don't you give yourself to this thing full time? That was the last time. So there are those that the Lord had separated. Now, people use Paul for an example. But Paul, if you study the scriptures carefully, had to do tents because people were not taking care of him. And he said it clearly that we are waiving this right so we will not become a stumbling block to the gospel. Preaching one hour a day on Sunday is 10% of the job I do as a pastor. 10%. So there is a commandment. Listen, and I want to say this now. It's, it's a bit difficult for me to say, but I just want to give you the truth. You have a spiritual responsibility financially to the man who teaches you. It's not, it's not to be led. You don't have to be led. It's an obligation to look after your teacher. There are people who can be in a church for, I, I think I talked about it in the Finuma church. I used a very funny parable. You know, you can have a public goat somewhere, right? I'm not saying I'm a goat. Just like I'm a public goat. And then they want to kill the goat for Christmas, right? And uh, somebody thinks that this person has given the goat food. Another person thinks this person has given the goat food. Another person thinks this person has given... At the end of the day, it's when everybody wants to sleep. They now try to find out, hey, so who really gave the goat food? They just realize the goat has not eaten since morning. <laughs> Do you understand the parable? Jesus taught in parables. I'm teaching also. What this means is this. You can just assume that, don't worry, that one is taking care of pastor. That one is taking care of pastor. 
It may be at the end of the day when the pastor leaves, everybody realized that nobody was taking care of him. Because everybody was just assuming that somebody else is doing it. The way he's changing shoe, you will know that. God has raised the helper for him in this church. The helper is alive. I know the helper. Whatever someone else does to me is not your business. Just as I teach them, I'm teaching you. You have a responsibility to me. It is a command. Should I enforce it? I'll get to error if I enforce it. Let's read Paul. Let's read Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read from verse 1 to 14 quickly. Verse 1 to 14. 1 Corinthians 9. I'm going to read quickly. 1 Corinthians 9, 1 to 14. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? When you see a man start saying, am I not, am I not, am I not? The guy is angry. <laughs> Anger. If I'm not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Sephar? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from walking? See, you see what Paul is saying here. I want to read verse 4 from the Amplified. He says, have we not right to our food and drink at the expense of the churches? I want to use the Amplified. Go back home and read from the Amplified. Have we not right also to take along with us a Christian sister as a wife and all that? Verse 6. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from doing manual labor for a livelihood in order to go about the work of the ministry? Consider this. What soldier at any time serves at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat any of the fruit of it? Who tends a flock and does not partake of the milk of the flock? Do I say this only as a human authority or as a man reasons? Does not the law endorse the same principle? For in the law of Moses, it is written, you shall not muzzle an ox when he's treading out the corn. Is it for only oxen that God cares? You can find this in Deuteronomy 25 verse 4. Or does he speak certainly and entirely for our sake? As shortly, it is written for our own sake. Because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the treasure ought to treasure in expectation of partaking of the harvest. If we have sown the seed of spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap from your material benefits? If others share in this rightful claim upon you, do we, do not we have still a better and greater claim? However, we have never exercised this right, but we endure everything rather than put a hindrance in the way of the spread of the good news of the gospel. Do you not know that those men who are employed in the service of the temple get their food from the temple? And that those who tend to the altar share in the altar offerings? 14. On the same principle, the Lord directed, the, the King James Bible says, the Lord commanded those who publish the good news, the gospel should live, get their maintenance by the gospel. He now goes on to say, but I've used none of these things, nor have I written those things that it should be done so for me. For it would be better for me to die that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So when Paul says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel, it was because he was responding to the people he was leading. And said, listen, even though if you refuse to take care of me, I have placed a necessity that regardless of what I have to do, I will preach the gospel. So, you have a right to take care of the one who teaches you the word. 
And that's what happened in Luke chapter 8. If you go back home, read Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. The Bible says the, the people that with Jesus casted out demons from them, the, the mother of Mary, can put that up for me. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 8, verse 1, 2, 3. Put it up. You see that they were the ones ministering to Jesus. Even though Jesus was the son of God, he wasn't just commanding miracle money all the time. They were women who were giving out of their substance. You have a right. You have a duty to look after your pastor. And I'll tell you this. Every church that does that always prospers. Always prospers. And it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and sending women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chosa, Herod, Seward, and Susanna, and many others, who provided from, for him from their substance. When you receive of a ministry, you have a responsibility to respond to the teacher who teaches you the word. It's a biblical responsibility. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Two more scriptures, and then we can close up. Galatians 6, 6. Galatians 6, 6. Galatians 6 and verse 6. Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Amplified says, let him who receive instructions in the word of God share all good things with his teacher contributing to his support. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. When he says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. He was talking about ministering to ministers. But listen, there's a, there's a balance there. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all especially to those who are the household of faith. So can you see Paul talks about it now? And he separates it. He says, do good to those who teach you the word. Then he says, do good to all. That means that the doing good to your teacher is your responsibility. And doing good to others is your responsibility. One should not suffer for the other. You can't say, oh, my pastor is blessed. He's driving a car. He lives well. He dresses well. I want to take care of the poor. You haven't obeyed scriptures. You can't take what belongs to me and give to the poor because you, that will suit your conscience. That's not obedience. You don't serve God on your terms. And like Paul will say, I'll say this again. I'm not saying this because you have to do it. I'm teaching you what the word is. Those ministers who bless me, I minister to them. You can't keep receiving from a ministry and not looking after the teacher. Sadly put, a lot of ministers, genuine ministers, end their life most times in regrets. Because they pour their life out for so much on people. And sometimes, they hardly are ministered to. And the reason is because like Paul, this is difficult. Do you understand? It's like going to your wife and saying, you have to do this to me. You have to take care of me. You have to do this. I mean, it's, sometimes it can be embarrassing. But Paul says, listen. You have that responsibility. First Timothy 5.17. We're reading a lot of scripture so you can see it. First Timothy 5.17. Let the elders who perform the duties of their office well be considered double worthy of honor. Amplify says, and of adequate financial support. Especially those who labor faithfully in preaching and teaching. 
For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it's treading out the grain. And again, the laborer is worthy of his hire. You can look at Luke chapter 10 verse 7. So what do you do in this regard? You don't have to do it every time you see the pastor. You don't have to do it every month. If you want to do it every month, it's fantastic. But you can propose in your heart and say, hey, maybe once a year, I'm going to you, you know, use this to be of a benefit to those who teach us, teach us the word. One of the, one of the best offerings I've ever received, best offerings I've ever received, I think it was maybe 10,000 or something, but the lady came up to me after service one time and said, listen, you've taught me the word, my life is transformed, I'm getting better, and I just want to bless you with this. And I remember one day I got to the house and I saw a lot of fruits, so I was asking my wife, how did he get here? And he said, lady who comes to church, you know, she sells fruits and all that. But she's been so blessed and she just brought these fruits. Now, the truth of the matter is, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If God truly called anybody to preach, God would take care of them. That's not, it's not. Do you understand? God will sort them out. But you have a responsibility to look after your teacher. Don't be a church that keeps the pastor poor. So he will be humble. Look after your pastor. It's for your own spiritual good. Don't say, they are doing it. You look after me. You know what? And you know I'm emphasizing this? You know I'm teaching this? Because I want to stand before God and be able to say, I taught them everything I knew. Their response was left to them. You have to do that. And not just after me. Your local church is important, but if there's any ministry who blesses you and you listen to their messages, once in a while, send them an offering. But you cannot do that at the expense of your local pastor. Because the challenge we also have is because of internet, you know, we have a lot of pastors. Some of you, your pastors are in California. Some of you, your pastors are in this thing. It's the truth. I mean, there's no denying the fact. Yeah, I'm just coming here physically, so it won't be I don't stay in church. But my re-pastor, my re-pastor is in Texas. Not a problem. Look after him. But the day you are sick, call him <laughs> to come from Texas because I won't show up. Is that okay? So you cannot get into that self-deception that you know the person who really feeds me is in Colombia. The day you need to do your child naming ceremony, call that pastor to come from Colombia. There's, no, there's, no, there's enough job for all of us. Don't get into that self-deception. If you belong to a local church, look after the pastor. And I'm saying this here because we're all here, but you know we will not all be here forever. When you also change local churches, whatever church you're going to, look after the man who fits you the word there. Especially if he's doing it faithfully. Don't get into condemnation of what I'm sharing. Just get your heart right. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't just look after. Sometimes looking after your pastor just means asking, how are you, sir? Can't remember when last I heard that question, that question from anyone. How are you doing? No, Pastor is always fine. He's got Superman like bright. We can always fly. You know? Sometimes it's just to say, hey, Pastor, hope everything is fine. Sometimes just to say, hey, are the children's school fees paid? Sometimes just simple things. Are you understanding what I'm saying? <laughs> are you understanding what I'm saying? Don't get into condemnation. Just understand it. Praise God. And as we do that, 
the Lord releases his blessing upon us. There's nothing like a pastor pastoring a church where he knows that the people love him. There's nothing like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what that does? It releases the power of God. Are you following what I'm saying? You should. We should have a local church that everybody's looking forward to Sunday. You just want to come to church. You just want to fellowship. The pastor wants to preach. You don't have a local church where the pastor is saying, today they will hear. When I get there, no, 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 you don't. But you guys have been doing great. I mean, thank, thanks to all of you who support. But we just have to lay these things right. Not just because of ourselves, but because of the multitude who listen to our messages. So that they will also know what to do in their own local churches. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We receive adjustments in the areas where we need to make adjustments. And Father, we just thank you for all those you've raised up here. Thank you for bringing them. We're so grateful you're giving us the privilege to just, you know, Father, just lead and shepherd and teach. We receive corrections in the area of finances. We're grateful for blessing us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. So we're continuing this on Wednesday. We'll finish up on Sunday. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.